0: Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Issue six of DC Prime Time is now on stands. From the showcast on Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the caffeine crew, I am Rob Martin. And
1: joining us today, we have George Shaw, who is, if you've listened to this show before, he is the man responsible for the amazing intro and outro music uh george is a composer and has done things such as the star wars disney musical parody which is uh up on youtube and amazing he's fantastic been the uh he was uh the musical director of the geeky awards and has worked with people such as Stanley. lee and you've heard his music also on shows like will Wheaton's Tabletop. welcome george
0: hey guys great to be here
1: fantastic it's wonderful to have you
2: yeah, uh, yeah. We've,
0: we've been looking forward to it. We feel like we have to be, like, you've worked with a bunch of people that uh, we would only dream of working with. So, like, we feel like we have to be on, like, the top of our game this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's... I, okay. I just wanted to say uh, I'm loving hearing, hearing the show. And, and I'm actually, uh, I, I grew up, you know, reading mostly Marvel comics. But I, I did get into Superman for a number of years. But beyond that, you know, I got really busy with my music and I really actually got into the animated series for DC.
1: Oh, yeah, they're amazing, man. That's, I honestly, I think one of the greatest jumping on points for, for people as far as the DC universe.
2: Absolutely. And, and, and at that point, I stopped reading the comics. So I love how you guys sort of bring us into what's going on in the comics and kind of fill in the gaps. And that's what I love about your show.
1: Oh, thank you, man. Like yeah, it's kind of been a, a fun process too, because like I said, Ben's like I said, Ben's the Marvel, I'm the DC. So um it's it's kind of been fun being able to play off of each other, but we both just have so much love for the, the the source materials across all the brands and but it's nice having somebody with more of the one background in one, so it's it's nice to kind of see where things grow. It's kinda of cool
2: exactly
0: yeah you get different perspectives too if you you know somebody who's a fan of the dc watching the dc shows but somebody who's a, a marvel fan but watching these dc shows you kind of get the different perspective of everything but like you george too like i grew up on superman as well i mean i'm i'm a marvel guy but i i grew up on superman so i have the dc ties in my background too <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
1: uh well yeah like i said um you know how we originally found george was um You know, Caffeine Crew originally was um, about a year or so ago kicking around the idea of doing a comic book podcast, which I think we recorded one. And I was hunting around for theme music like left and right. And I just fell down a YouTube hole and I came across what is now the intro to uh, DC Primetime and always fell in love with the piece, which is the uh, uh, the beautiful um, Superman and Batman crossover that you did as far as the arrangement, George. And uh, being able to have you be a part of this today means a ton to me because, like I said, just hearing that and hearing the stuff you've done on soundcloud you're just an amazing amazing composer
2: thank you so much i'm so excited to to be here to geek out with you
1: guys (laughs) awesome
0: that's a lot of pressure for george now rob
1: yeah i know i I just gotta just just keep keep piling it up way to turn it way to way to
0: turn it around so it's equal pressure on all parties (laughs) uh all right cool so let's get started with things starting off first with the bullet points Almost forgot for a second what the first segment was, uh, which is where we give our three point rating to the shows this week. Starting off with sidekick, hero, or legend, uh, and we're going to start off with this week's episode of Supergirl, episode fourteen, titled "Truth, Justice, and the American Way." Uh, so we'll start with George on this one. On your uh, on our three point scale, scale, uh, what would you say for this week?
2: Uh, I give it a hero. I mean, it was it was a solid episode, but it was a little cheesy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and actually, it's, it's like the the previous couple of episodes were really good, and and so it, it wasn't quite up to that level. Okay, uh, Rob, how about you?
1: Oh, uh, you know, I'm actually going to say I'm going to go with a hero as well. Um, this show is, I think, starting to find its footing um, and is the last couple of weeks. We have seen um, them kind of pulling in a lot more material. Um, the actors in the cast have been vibing a lot more. No, no pun towards the flash on that. But uh, but it's it's been nice to see them kind of finding their own. And I'm looking forward to seeing where the next couple of weeks are going to go. But yeah, def- definitely hero
0: for me. OK, yeah, I'm on the same page. It's a hero for me as well. Uh, I'll be interested to hear George's opinion when we break it down a little bit more because I've actually thought some of the past couple episodes have been – where they had a lot of potential. I thought they were kind of weak, and this one I felt like they they kind of find they're, – they're finding their footing as well too. So I'm going to give this one a hero at the same time. Uh, the next episode we have is The Flash, episode 15, King Shark. Uh Talking about this episode last week, I already know where Rob and I are going with this, Um So we'll throw it over to George again for this one. Uh, very curious. Sidekick hero or legend? So with, with this, I was a little bit in the
2: middle. Um, but I, I actually really did enjoy it. So I'm going to give it uh, a legend minus. And, and part <laughs> of that is because the last two episodes, getting to see Earth 2 was awesome. Yeah. And so... It's a little, it was a little disappointing to sort of you know get something that wasn't that, but it was still a great episode. Had a great villain, and uh, it was nice to see a lot of uh, the little jokes about Jaws. Oh
0: yeah, I loved <laughs> yeah. it. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah, I I agree as well. I mean, it's you're coming off such a high from Earth Two, uh, it's tough to live up to or tough to follow. It's almost like you have somebody who sings. Uh, you know, a fantastic song at karaoke and then you're the one that has to follow them and you're <laughs> not that good um but yeah i i thought king shark was a very strong episode to follow that up so i'm going to give it a legend um as well how about you rob
1: uh definitely go in legend as well like i said as you guys both mentioned uh this is like kind of coming off of a high um uh, but i think it's also a much needed break from how much has happened in the last couple weeks um it was a moment for i think The cast of characters to catch their breath, Um, we even saw that in the very beginning, and we'll break that down a little bit more in a bit. But um, Fun Villain, Uh, it it astonishes me that a character like King Shark can look that good on network television, too. Agreed. Uh, It just blew my mind. And again, just the last couple seconds of, of the episode was enough to make sure it solidified in a legend for me.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, we have Arrow, episode 16, titled Taken. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Hero, a sidekick hero, or legend?
1: Also legend, man. Uh, this Arrow is also kind of climbing out of its slump the last couple weeks. has been, um, you know, building back up. Vixen was a great addition. And, man, Damien Dark came out swinging this week. And that was, even in just the first few minutes, I was like, I'm, I'm sold. Keep going.
0: Okay, uh, Rob. Rob, we just talked to Rob. <laughs> uh, George,
2: how about you? Uh, yeah, I, I actually love seeing Vixen and uh, the big showdown against Damien Dark, but I actually, I, I give it a hero. Um, it was a little bit, I don't know, I guess it, it was just a little bit boring for me.
1: I mean, there was a little bit more, a lot of melodrama in this week. I
2: yeah, guess. yeah, there's a lot of that. And and uh, it it didn't quite catch me, uh, and actually arrows is my least favorite of of the four shows.
0: Oh wow! So, so
2: yeah, it took it took a while for me to actually get into it, but once I did, I was I I, I got into it because of the flash. So
0: okay, um, I'm I'm with Rob on this one. It's uh. <clears throat> The melodrama, yeah, was definitely there. Uh, a couple strong moments with that melodrama as well, especially the ending, which we'll get into uh, when we start to break it down. But, um, yeah, I'm going to give this one a legend as well. It's uh, I, This has been a, a fantastic week, for, I think, for all the shows, really. Um, but, yeah, that legend for me at the same time, which leads us into the final show, DC Legends. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, Episode 6, Star City 2046. Uh, I'll kick this one off. This one to me is deserving of the title of the show, Legends. It's it, this was a legend episode. I've been looking forward to this one since they announced it, and I know there's only been six episodes so far, but this one has probably been my favorite out of all six. So, uh, yeah, uh, legend cat, legend status for this one, for me as well. Um, Rob, how about you?
1: Uh, also gonna go legend on this. Uh, seeing the payoff and the nods to like Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, um you know, the, the future kick with, uh, the new distroke. Uh, I mean, and just even just the levity where they broke in the show with the, the goofy stuff happening on the wave rider was kind of a nice, uh, it was a nice little touching fun moments. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really fun episode.
0: Okay. Uh, George,
2: uh, I give it legend and I, first of all, I love time travel. So, and I love any, time you get to see the future, um and uh you know seeing kind of what happens to Star City and and uh, Oliver Queen and, and all that was uh was a lot of fun so i i loved it
0: all right great uh so that's going to wrap it up for bullet points and we're now going to move on to the secret origin section where we break down each episode uh a little bit further than just what we had mentioned And we're going to start this week uh go back to Supergirl episode 14 as i had mentioned truth justice and the american way uh Kara battles the Master jailer while dealing with a second assistant at Catco and disagreeing with james over the d e o s methods so <clears throat> a couple things a couple notable things worth happening. We are uh introduced for the first time to Siobhan Smythe, who we know in future episodes is going to become silver banshee correct um we we heard. I'm trying to I can't remember I I should have wrote it down in my notes and I didn't take a note of it. Uh there's a certain thing that's mentioned at the end that uh that Nod mentions and Kara goes to question uh Alora Zorel about at the end of the episode and I can't remember what it's called.
1: Uh yeah, I I unfortunately I wish I jotted down that note too, but yeah, basically, you know, we see um a little bit more Kryptonian lore kind of coming into play and uh there's something else building larger and larger and larger. That's gonna, I think we're going to see playoff in next week's episode when we hit the fortresses solitude. But I mean, taking a step back, um, I, I got to say, like I said, one of the things that I definitely agree with George on that he mentioned where that you have that little bit of a cheese factor. I think that really comes into the fights more than anything. Um, it's so hard to still see a show, find a way to capture combat with people flying. Um, and I still wanna see them kind of find a way to hash that out a little bit. Like when we saw one of the big showdowns with Master Jailer this week, um, it looked a little rough around the edges, I'm not gonna lie. But I still say think the overall of the episode was was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting to say that too, because I mean, as you had mentioned, they it's the the battle scenes in the air are a little rough around the edges because obviously there's a lot of CGI involved in that because we know Melissa Benoist doesn't fly. Uh, but it, out of all four shows, I, I think if I'm correct, Supergirl has the biggest budget out of all three or out of all four. So it's odd that DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Flash and Arrow can pick up these amazing CGI scenes, and Supergirl's the one that's the roughest. Out of all the special effects, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's so much more having to cause Supergirl to fly, but you know, DC's Legends of Tomorrow has Ray Palmer who flies a lot, and and um, and and Hawkman and Hawk Girl who fly and
1: Firestorm. Everybody, I mean, like we even saw that with Vixen this week on Arrow. You know,
0: yeah, that's true. So uh you're right. I think it's a little sloppy with them, but I, I mean, even going back to the Bizarro episode where Kara falls Tha- up. Um, faced off against Bizarro. I thought while it was a little choppy, it was pretty well done. At least I enjoyed it. I know <laughs> we had Craig on that week and uh, Craig Lagans on that week. And Craig mentioned he wasn't crazy about the battle scene on that episode. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so we've seen a couple other notable things. We saw the release of Maxwell Lord at the end of the episode as well. And we're seeing a little bit of a divide between James and... And Lucy, Lucy Lane, now because of Kara, even though Lucy doesn't know. So I think those are some of the biggest points of this episode. Let's take a step back, though. And what do we think some of the highlights of this episode were? What are some of the stronger points?
2: Uh, you know, go ahead, George. I, I actually really liked um, the the fact that uh, Agent Danvers, uh, I forget her, her sister's name. but uh, Alex. Alex, yeah. So she is the one that actually saves the day and not supergirl.
1: Yeah, she's actually doing that quite a bit recently.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the uh, that's one of my biggest issues with this show is the fact that it's the humans that are stepping up and saving the day and not supergirl. Cuz she is supposed to be the focus, she is supposed to be the one. I understand it's it's building her character and she's still trying to find herself as supergirl, but I mean the moment you have a human step up and save the day, you're kind of taking power away from from Kara.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, I think we we kind of brought that up pretty pretty clearly a couple a couple weeks ago when uh they did the Black Mercy storyline where Alex was the one that kinda of came in. Um and yeah, and it does take a little something away from, from Kara's character. Um I would like to see them really start putting a lot more stronger focus, but I really like the fact that they played up on the morality of her this week. Um, between the the scenes with her and James, where it's kind of like, you know, you stand it's they they, they bring out that classic pointing at that symbol and like that stands for something and you kind of have to uphold that and i I did like that they're kind of moving that along like having her kind of live up to the legacy of superman yeah yeah you know know,
2: in the the beginning of the episode i you know when we find out that there's someone kidnapping aliens and and executing them my first thought was well isn't he helping them out you know kind (laughs) of kind of doing the job for them (laughs) Finding all these aliens, yeah. Uh, but but in the end, they actually do explain why uh, why uh, you know sort of it's up to Supergirl to actually save these aliens, right? So that was that was a nice touch.
1: Yeah, and, and I actually will say too. I did enjoy the little little uh, moment in the beginning too, with Nan showing up and kind of like, yeah, you know, we have customs and traditions still, and it kind of humanized the villain a little bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it was a small scene still, but It was something that we've seen recently, too, with, like, Damian Dark, with the initial episode of, uh, you know, his wife and uh, daughter getting kidnapped and kind of locked down by anarchy, where we're starting to see some other sides. They don't feel as cartoony one note, and I think this was a kind of a nice step in the right direction for Nan to be able to see that side, because Maxwell Lord's still kind of coming out a little larger than life.
0: Yeah, it almost seemed like they had to take a step back with him, I mean, because now— Obviously, he's released. He's going to be back out in the world starting next week. Um, so it is going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting dynamic to see now where they go with him and to see how they can kind of control him a little bit or or not control him, but keep him under control. Yeah. So, I mean, we saw Alex said she's, they've got a dossier on him, you know, a mile long, so they can very easily – they have stuff to hold over his head to keep him intact or to keep him – you know, under control. But I, I, still, th- I still think it's going to be interesting because they did almost make him out to be like the Lex Luthor of this series, at least at first. Yeah. So um, it's it's going to be very interesting to see where they go with that. I do like, uh, Rob, you and I had talked about this yesterday, I believe, actually, too, uh, even before. Or was, no, it wasn't yesterday, was it? No, it was Friday. Sorry. Um, I'm confusing my days now, too. But there was a mention of an intergalactic bounty hunter.
1: Yes, at the very beginning of the episode, uh, when they're trying to figure out who's behind the kidnappings, uh, Alex and Hank have a nice little scene together where they said, you know, uh, do you think this is like an intergalactic bounty hunter? You don't think it's him. And they make the comment, no, if it was him, we'd know who it was, which was a nice nod to Lobo. So yeah. maybe we're going to see Lobo somewhere in this universe, because even the way they brought it up was kind of like, oh, God, please don't let it be him.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: let's let's hope and pray that the main man shows up at some point in time. And it's old. uh Old, uh, not n- new. Fifty-two kind of twilight sparkle, <laughs> Lobo that looks very, um, I don't know. Uh, like I said, very Twilighty. He's very thin, scrawny, and sparkly and weird. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's 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 hope for the good old classic. Like I said, I'm still hoping that one day we see. Like I said, there was a photo kicking around a couple weeks ago of uh, somebody mocked up of Danny Trejo as uh, Lobo, and I'm like, that's the Lobo we want to see. So
0: yeah, the big motorcycle ride in uh-huh, uh, bounty hunter. You know, almost like – um, oh, what the hell is his name? The I can't remember his name. But the, the actual Bounty Hunter that – there was a TV show of him a while ago. Oh, it was back. like Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, Dick. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could probably even – he's done some acting. You could probably even get him to play him for an episode. He probably good. I'd buy it. Uh, I know one other moment in this, ep- in this episode I was waiting for and I never got. Uh, it was – Rob, you had already made mention of it a little bit, too. It's the the scene where James is talking to Kara about what the symbol on her chest means. And he says, you know, it it, it stands for truth and justice. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, being the huge fan of Superman I am, I'm like, say the American way. Just say <laughs> the American way. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> and he never said it.
1: So, but I'm actually surprised they also didn't drop the, it stands for hope, kind of like tying back to the Man of Steel movie where that was such a big proponent that they kept like forcing down your throat every six seconds So I'm kind of happy that they didn't go that route. But, yeah, it was kind of a nice nod to old school stuff, man. Yeah.
0: I mean, well, again, the the title of the episode, too, was Truth, Justice in the American Way. So we got the American Way in the title of the show. Mm -hmm. But I I wanted Jimmy – I wanted James to say it so bad just so I could hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Um we we did see that the next week's episode, as we had mentioned earlier on, to episode fifteen, uh, which is airing next week, even though you know Arrow and Flash are going to be on break for the next couple weeks, uh, is titled Solitude, in which Kara goes to the Fortress of Solitude. It lends it makes me think: Are we do you think DC would ever allow Superman or allow them at least one episode or a scene to bring in Superman at one point?
1: Mm. That's a good question, George. What are, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I mean, I don't know what the sort of legal rights are in terms of doing that, but yeah, they got to do that at some point, maybe, you know, a few seasons in, but that yeah. would be great to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, like they kind of built, like you look at like Arrow and they built to the League of Assassins and Ra's al Ghul and all, you know, all that stuff. And it, it did take them time. Um, uh, but one of the things we've heard in the past with Kreisberg that he loves to do is, uh. Keep building to something and then kind of like talking to the top brass and say, hey, we've gotten this far. You're like only an inch away from us being allowed to do this, which opens up this whole world, more storylines. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that they they get their way because, you know, even if it's a moment of we just see Clark Kent, um, I think that could help kind of change the landscape of this show uh, a little bit more. So it's the one thing we're not seeing in Supergirl is a bigger universe as a whole. It's just National City, and it feels like National City is the only place where things are happening, where you go over to, you know, the Arrowverse, where, you know, you've got what's happening in Legends and past and future, you know, Central City, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> I
0: think your dog's chiming in.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with that as well. I'd, I'd like to see him come come in at some point i mean the only thing we've gotten so far other than the silhouette the silhouette of superman in the title sequence is we've gotten ims over a computer yeah you know and that's pretty yeah. much all we've gotten from clark so far it wasn't even been superman it's been you know it's been clark kent yeah um so it'll be interesting i think would we'll just give it like a year or two to see uh you know batman v superman and justice league flop um which i still think i'm not sold on those movies yet but we'll talk about that later <laughs> Um, anything else we're forgetting about Supergirl? Um,
1: I think the last last little moment is you're starting to see what we talked about a couple of weeks ago where we didn't seem to care too much. But that Alex uh, and Hank and Kara relationship, there's definitely a wedge there now because of Kara still thinking that uh, Hank was the person that killed Astra. Uh, and we all know that was actually – you know, Alex and she even tried to break that with her in the beginning of the episode. So that looks like it's we're going to see this big driving wedge play out over the next couple episodes. And I'm hoping that doesn't get drug on too long. Um, but we'll see. It's one of those wait and see moments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when that actually comes out into the open, mm-hmm. especially the way she's been cheating. She's been uh, she's been treating Hank. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Cool. So if nothing else to add with Supergirl, then we will move on to the Flash As I said, mentioned episode 15 titled King Shark. Uh, So much great stuff in this episode. Uh, You know, obviously a big focus on the character of King Shark, who we saw a couple weeks ago in a previous episode where we saw the return of the reverse Flash at the same time. So that was a pretty big episode. But um, I'm trying to think we saw. I'm not even you know what? I'm not even going to mention I'm not even going to go through bullet points. Let's just jump right into the show. Uh, Starting off first with finding out something we had predicted earlier on in, you know, a couple issues back of DC primetime that Lila is the new head of Argus.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which was nice. We did get to see that pay off. Uh, We were all kind of hoping that was going to be the case. And, you know, that was uh, her cleaning up Amanda's mess pretty much at the start of this. So, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to see that pay out.
0: Yeah uh george what were your thoughts on king shark on, on like the look of king shark and such oh man he he looked just <laughs> completely
2: menacing i mean i i i, I wouldn't even, i couldn't even imagine a uh a man shark being that that big and terrifying so yeah i mean the cg was great and uh you, to actually see him move and and how fast he could swim and sort of keep up after Barry like that was pretty awesome
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I think uh to put it switching over to a Marvel character at the moment I think if I saw a human shark like that I'd wish I was wearing my brown pants (laughs) 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 because that's exactly what it would be but I mean the CGI to me I mean we saw a quick glimpse of him a couple episodes back in Flash but I think I think they stepped it up
1: yeah they actually really did I mean I think there was only a moment or two where it had that like kind of CG sheen on it. And that was kind of a faraway point, but for the most point, man, it was just gorgeous. I mean that, you know, we, we joke about the way that doomsday looks in what the trailers we've seen for Batman versus Superman. And I'm like, man, you guys have to step it up. I mean, a TV show is, she's probably given us one of the best looking CG creations I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, it's again, um, one of the best uh, one of the best CGI characters I think out of any of these four shows that we've seen so far. So
1: and uh, also if you're a video game fan too, uh King Shark was voiced by David Hayter, which was the uh original Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. So like he was uh played that character up until Metal Gear 4. So it was kind of cool to see him pop in and and voice that character. I think it was uh perfectly fitting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think this is one of the first episodes too that we've seen in a while that we've we've gotten a majority of the cast at some point or another being a part of this episode. Uh, Obviously we saw the main characters. We saw Barry, Iris, Caitlin, Cisco, um, you know, Joe Wells, but we got John Diggle and Lila coming over from arrow. Uh, We have Jesse Wells coming over as well. Now part of it, Jay Garrick, uh, who we will mention that at the end Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) because we do see Jay Garrick as part of this as well. But, but, uh, a very strong episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, even kicking it off, I love the fact that they dealt with the immediate fallout of last week. Um, it just picked up seconds after you got Caitlyn's reaction and that it was just them moving forward. It was a little bit of time. They didn't say how much, but a th- little bit of time th- of them just kind of coming to terms and grips with what has happened.
0: I thought they did mention it. I thought they said it had been like about two months. Two months. OK, uh, I, I could be wrong. I, I I could be wrong about that.
1: But uh, seeing Caitlin go through everything like you actually really felt for it It didn't come off as cheesy or anything like that. Like you saw her kind of crumple up after losing Ronnie now after losing losing Jay. Um, And I love honestly on top of that, too, once that got kind of situated, her having that those killer frost traits and Cisco kind of getting freaked out and Mm kind of playing into his paranoia. And I think they had some fun with that this week.
0: Yeah. Um, it brings up a good point, too, that while she is cute, if you ever join Team Flash, do not date Caitlin Snow, <laughs> because it never turns out well for the men that she gets involved with.
1: Seriously. That's definitely a death sentence where it kind of seems like it's waiting to happen. So
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I mean, you, you did mention they made a lot of jokes about, you know, Caitlin being Killer Frost, especially once she found out that her doppelganger was Killer Frost, uh, you know, which, you know, which came out from from Cisco earlier on. Um, she says she will never turn into that character. Do we believe that to be true?
1: I don't know. I, I you know what? There's a part of me that kind of wants to see it still happen.
0: I mean, because you say you'll never become that character and she says she doesn't have the metahuman gene in her. But it turns out a lot of times that when you say something will never happen, it usually happens yeah. in, in these kind of shows. So, I mean, I'm kind of hoping we haven't seen the end of Killer Frost.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, like, George, you, you love the Earth 2 stuff. So, I mean, is, is that something you would want to see, too? Do you want to see Caitlin kind of make that transition on Earth 1?
2: You know what, what makes those kind of things interesting and i actually i love when the way they did it in fringe is you're seeing a completely different version of her person so i think it's true like she could probably could never be killer frost because she's a totally different type of person Mm -hmm.
1: it's it's kind of like i don't know if uh, you guys have ever been a fan of old school like josh whedon like uh like buffy and all. like uh oh yeah there's a part of me like after you get past like you know like last season we had reverse flash now we have zoom who's the big bad for season three and kind of if they ever got to that point where they had her fall down that well it's kind of like the evil willow you get in the end of season six of Buffy you know like a character that you've come to love and enjoy like you know watching week after week if seeing them fall down that hole and have a redemption storyline I could think it could still be fun if they if they get down around like season three season four and they want to play around with some stuff.
0: If they did that, though, I think it would probably make more sense, though, to have it be Cisco, because we already know Cisco has that gene, right. whereas Caitlin says she doesn't. So, I mean, it would make more sense for it to be Cisco. And you're right. I think it would be an interesting dynamic if they had one of their own team turn against them, even if it's Wally at some point after he gets the speed force. Yeah. Um,
1: well, we have a lot of characters that still have yet to get their metahuman gene. Uh, you know, we know Jesse Quick. That's definitely in her future. Same. Well, Jesse Wells, um, you know, so. Her becoming Jesse Quick, uh, you know, Wally still has to get tap into the speed force as well. I mean, it's there's so much that can still happen yet. And we have no idea where and how this is all going to wrap up. I mean, one of the big theories we've been kicking around for weeks is we we would love to see these speedsters all team up and take on Zoom. So it's a big question of uh, what the fallout and the outcome of that's going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah agree with that as well. Uh, George, one of the things you had mentioned about this episode earlier on, too, and it's one of my favorite parts of this episode, too, was all the Jaws references that they make <laughs> yeah. throughout this. I mean, even from the very beginning when they call Killer Shark Bruce, mm-hmm. I'm like, it, it, it's, it's so fitting uh, of everything that they've done, uh, you know, with this episode, even as we had mentioned it last week, just the the tag of it was a take off of Flash or was a take off of Jaws. Uh, you know, with the water underneath of it, and the flash lettering being done, and the jaw style, and it was, uh, you know, it was it was so it was so well done with all the the little nods that they make. Even at one point, I think it was Cisco saying he was the quint of mm-hmm. everything and was it joe or barry uh, the turner well, said was, you know quint dies right
1: oh yeah it was what well, was the bit of like caitlin was like i want to be quitting like you do know quint dies oh, it was caitlin <laughs> caitlin yeah oh man oh, yeah like i said just all those little moments were perfect you know the we're gonna need a bigger flash line and yeah it was just it was awesome
2: yeah, and, and a, as a composer, my my favorite
0: was when Cisco says, "Cue the Jaws music." <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, they're so great. And I think one of my favorite lines from this episode too um, was the moment after King Shark actually tears open the roof of oh. of uh, Joe's house, and Sharknado. After, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the Sharknado line. But my my favorite one was from Wally. Where he says, "Is anybody else freaked out by a shark wearing pants?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's definitely a flash of street sharks for a second in your brain if if you were a kid in the the, the 90s, you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs>
0: yeah, that's almost what it was was it was a street shark. It's I, I didn't even think about that. Uh huh.
1: And I, it was just that line it was like just when you thought it was safe to go back into the
2: suburbs.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I think it almost would have been fitting. I granted, I know they would have had to go through a ton. Of stuff, and they had already dropped a a lot of coin on this episode creating King Shark. Um, But even to throw in like a quick snippet of the Jaws theme music at some point, um, I thought would have been a nice nod to Jaws too, but as if there wasn't enough of them in there already. Uh, But I guess that pretty much leaves the end. Unless I'm forgetting anything. Oh, uh,
1: well, we did have a lot of uh, Wally and Barry kind of kind of coming to head for oh, this yeah. time. Um, that was, I mean, again, a smaller part of the episode, but I mean, that was their first real big interactions we've seen between the two of them, uh, you know, when King Shark did kind of level the West House a little bit, you know, um, just the idea that Barry coming down the steps and him coming out and calling him a coward, uh, I thought that was actually kind of a nice touch because you never see a lot of people kind of bring up the fallout of when the hero has to rush away. And uh, I love that it brought up that quality of of Wally kind of him being really kind of perceptive of what's going around and what's going on.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll pose this question to uh, both of you because I have my own personal opinion about this as well. But if who do you think Wally would get along with if Wally were to ever join Team Flash, who do you think he would get along with the best? Um. George, how about you? Who do you think you would get along with the best? Because I, I have my own personal opinion about this.
2: Probably Cisco.
0: Okay, because Cisco is was... the guy who's going to help him like be even faster. Yeah, that that's that's my take on this as well. Is I think him and Cisco would be almost like a form of like really really good friends and close. Uh, yeah, Rob... I, can
1: see, I can see that as well. Cisco's kind of where I was leaning because I could see him kind of like, okay, I I I broke, you know. Mach two, he's like, we got to get to Mach three, and them just geeking out about speed and what to do, and them playing with gadgets constantly. It just seems right and fitting. But, you know, honestly, though, too, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious because we haven't seen a lot of Jesse yet. Uh, we saw a little bit this week. I could also see something kind of form between Jesse and, and Wally a little, just from what we've started to catch from her.
0: Um, yeah, I could see that. I almost thought of a relationship between Jesse and Cisco, honestly. Um, that was something that I was kind of seeing almost form a little bit because we did get to see a lot more of Jesse this week, especially because of her stepping up and helping um, Harrison Wells. Um, so I, I could see almost a relationship happening between the two of them, uh, but I could see her get along with Wally at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. So what made me lead more towards it though was the fact of the the engine that Wally was building. Um, it was the engineering aspect, not necessarily the speed aspect, that I thought would get him and uh and Cisco buddy buddy with everything. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, comparing notes. So, uh, but I guess again that just leaves the end. We had a huge reveal at the end of this episode after weeks of speculation. Uh, we now know who Zoom is, and well. I'm saying that loosely.
1: Uh, we do. We do know. I know uh, because,
0: yeah, you can <laughs> confirm that you say that. But I've read some <laughs> stuff, too, that is very open ended Um, that doesn't necessarily say what you're saying. So it's you were also convinced that the man in the iron mask was Wally. So
1: I was. I was. I mean, I, I'm. You know, I'm changing my tune on that, but I think uh, our – well, let's just get into it. Let's get into our our unveiling of Zoom here.
0: Well, we find out uh, by revealing the mask that the character underneath is – I'm going to say Teddy Sears mm-hmm. uh, because we're led to believe that it's Jay Garrick, a.k.a. Hunter Zolomon, a.k.a. somebody else. I don't know. I'm not completely convinced. We know it's not the good version of Jay Garrick right. uh, because he's holding him in his arms. I still have an inkling that Jay Garrick uh, may be working for Zoom, uh, but we don't know yet. I still think that the man in the Iron Mask is is Jay Garrick. Uh,
1: it's possible. Um, the one of the big things to look at is again if this is Hunter's uh, which Kreisberg kind of did come out and say that yes, it is. And, you know, it's a it's a nod to classic Flash fans. Um, uh, we don't know if that's. Definitively, Hunter's almond from Earth One, or if it's a Hunter's almond from a Earth that's not Earth Two. So that's one of the big things that I know where we get into some speculation a little bit in between me and Ben. Uh, but again, I, I would like to think that under the the Man in the Iron Mask is still Henry Allen. But as far as what you're bringing up at this point, as far as the Jay Garrick that we dealt with him have worked with Zoom, he did make that line after he took his mask off. It was like, "Well, this complicates things." So I, I want to know more about that, why Why this complicates things for him. Uh, was he, like I said, definitely using him in some way, shape, or form?
0: And I still think it's the Man in the Iron Mask is an actual nod to the Man in the Iron Mask, where it's the twin of whoever the villain is. So I think one way or another i think there's still jay garrick underneath that mask um but george this is the first time that we're getting to talk to you about all of this leading up to this point before it's revealed who zoom was did you have an idea or a theory as to who you thought it might have been i actually did not <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, other than
2: the the theories you've posed on, on the podcast um But yeah, I was just waiting to see
0: who it was. So you were one of the smart ones that was just waiting instead of theorizing and driving (laughs) yourself crazy. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So which is something we should have done. But with the podcast, we kind of couldn't.
1: Oh, yeah. We just kept breaking it apart. And I think this back and forth back and
0: forth back and forth. What? I think I think we were everywhere from we we heard Jake Garrick. we heard Eddie from Earth 1, we heard or Eddie from Earth 2. You know, we heard Wally West was under there, Henry Allen's under there. It could have been people we haven't even seen yet. We were all over the place. And and what I like about it is even though we know who's under the mask now, we're still not 100% explained as to how this is happening. So if there's still more that has to be explained. There's still more that we have to know, and they have come out and said this will be explained, uh, and will make sense.
1: Yeah, and, and they did say they're going to be dragging that uh, the the man in the iron mask uh, idea out for pretty much almost the rest of the season. So it's going to be a while before I think we're going to get a payoff on that one. So we got a couple of weeks of more speculation. So
0: it really sucks,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> especially now considering that's how they ended the episode, and now they're on a three week hiatus. Yeah, Uh, before they return uh, March March,
1: 22nd, Yeah. March
0: 22nd with trajectory where we're going to see another speedster.
1: Yeah, the first female speedster we're going to see on the show, which is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, Any theories, George, on who the man in the iron mask is? Because I know we've mentioned a couple, but are you are you still just not taking a guess and you just want to enjoy it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I, I, in fact, I think this reveal made it, you know, more difficult to say because I actually thought it was, you know, Hunter Solomon or Jay or
0: you know or whoever, but yeah, I, at this point I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best way to go into it because it drives us nuts every week. Yeah, trying to figure this out and our theories change every week too.
1: They do. And like I said, I remember when they first you know, showed, you know, Zalman on the park bench. And I was like, oh, that's our, that's our reveal. I was like, this is it. And then the next couple of weeks kept happening. I'm like, I kept picking it apart. Mike, you know, listening to Ben too. And it's like, it's too easy. I'm like, maybe it is too easy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. But but I I feel at least a little vindicated a little bit, but (laughs) I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to, I think I'm sure they're still going to throw us for a loop somewhere. In, in the, the final
0: few weeks. Yeah, there'll be some kind of twist on it that nobody Definitely. that nobody saw coming. Right. Everybody who's online saying, oh, I predicted it from the beginning. Shut up because you don't know yet. Let <laughs> it go. Uh, but yet, as I had mentioned, they're on hiatus for the next three weeks returning March 22nd with trajectory, which is episode 16, which I'm I'm looking forward to because we're going to see the first female speech there. Yeah. So uh, but let's wrap things up then with Flash and move on to Arrow episode 16 episode. Wait, no. Episode fifteen. Right? Yeah. Episode fifteen title taken, because they're they're on par with Flash. So whatever yeah. their episode is, is the next one. Uh Oliver calls on he calls in his old friend Vixen for help in fighting Damien Dark while Thea has a heart to heart talk with Malcolm. Uh again, you know, we had mentioned some definite melodrama that happens in this episode. Uh a lot of it between Alicity, which I'm still not sure is completely over yet. Uh, From some of the stuff I've seen, because apparently there's been a picture posted on Twitter by uh, Mark Guggenheim of uh, Felicity and Oliver standing up at an altar in a tuxedo and a wedding dress. So we may still see a wedding. This may just be a temporary separation. So we will see how things go. But, I mean, again, we saw a number of different things happen. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we saw Vixen come into this episode who, God, I want to see a Vixen spinoff. After yeah. this episode, uh, because her character was so well done, uh, a lot of nods to the animated series that they did, or at least one or two nods that they did mm-hmm. to the animated series as well. Um, I know there's other stuff I'm missing, but we saw a big blowout fight between Arrow, Vixen and Damian Dark. Right. With some really cool motorcycle work, I thought, in in this scene.
1: Yeah, they really stepped it up again this week, and I kind of like on top of it, I know it's kind of jumping us forward a little bit in the episode, but um, they did break Dark's totem, so he's got no more of the Vader Force Crush kind of thing, which is nice. That means the fights are actually going to be fights instead of kind of standstills. So I'm looking forward to that kind of continuing. Uh, The show's got such a great fight choreographer. For them not to be able to do that and get pulled back from it, it's nice to know that that's going to continue, especially with the big bad.
0: Yeah, nice little nod to the fight chore- uh, choreographer, too, who, uh little plug to my own podcast, we've talked to, uh, and that being um, uh, James Bamford, who, mm-hmm. again, directed last week's episode, too, his first time directing an episode. Uh, but, George, you had mentioned earlier on, too, that you thought um, you didn't give this—I think you gave this one a hero while, at, while Rob and I had gave this a legend. Uh, what were some of the weak points that you thought for this episode? Uh— I don't. I don't think there was like any
2: one specific weak point. Um, I think it was just a lot of the sort of back and forth of um, you know the 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 son that he had to keep a secret from Felicity, and then Felicity getting mad about that, and and all this sort of melodrama. Um, yeah, it just feels like like the writers are forcing it a little bit. Like, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to you know, describe it. But.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that we did, uh, we did find out about a little bit earlier on was in the scene in the, limos, in the limousine uh, with Oliver and Felicity, we do see that Felicity's not wearing a ring. So we see at some point that this is going to happen. And I think it had been speculated for a long time that it was going to be because of his son. Uh, right. yeah. she she was going to find out about his son and this is what was going to cause the, the 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 separation uh right. between the two of them
1: and so it, I, yeah and like you also went into like you know we had the laundry list of names that people that knew about it and like you got back to you know Felicity and it was just like really it's like maybe it's better if you just listed who mm-hmm. didn't know you know <laughs> <laughs> cuz it was kind of yeah it that kind of dragged a little bit i thought
0: yeah yeah i i agree with that as well um I do know that um, I don't know where I was going, uh, but let's t- um, let's let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about Vixen uh, coming in because she was obviously the strong point, And I think she's going to be another fan favorite, sort of the way that it was when they brought in Constantine. And I'm hoping she's not a one off. I'm hoping we're going to see her again, whether it's in the next season of of Arrow. I'd like to see. I know this is asking a lot because of what's already involved. I would love to see her and Constantine join the cast either of Arrow or Legends of Tomorrow mm-hmm. and become part of that team on Legends well, I, of Tomorrow.
1: I think Legends is the the, the right place for Vixen. Um, you know, if uh, she got a good response, I think, from the fans and from the audience in general, I think Legends is a perfect place to send her over to. It doesn't bog down Arrow too much. Because, um, again, you, you're dealing with a fairly large ensemble already. So,
2: and, and none we, of them have superpowers.
1: Yeah. Really. So it kind of changes the dynamic of the show super fast. Um, and uh, I, I would I would kind of like to see that maybe carry into a Legends a little bit. Like Legends has already proven to us that it can be episode two. And you can lose who you thought was one of your main characters. So we have no idea yet what is to come um, as far as the Legends cast. You know, they got to kind of treat that almost suicide-like, uh, suicide squad-like, where we could lose somebody else before season's end and they filter in Vixen. We still have an empty seat on the Wave Rider.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's actually a really funny moment where uh, you know they bring Samantha into the the secret cave, and then Vixen walks in and just totally gives away Barry Allen's uh, secret identity.
0: <laughs> I missed that. I I, I must have, I must not have picked up on that when they did that.
2: Yeah,
1: they totally did. It was when she was sitting there holding the figure. He's like, "Please don't tell Barry." <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs> that's, that's right.
0: I will say, though, on that note, I know this is jumping towards the end of the episode. I absolutely one of my favorite scenes from this entire episode was um, when Oliver's son, uh, when she gives him back the figure of the Flash, and he says he wants a green arrow figure instead. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, like, that is such a cool moment for Oliver, uh, you know, to know that. You know, I, I I can't imagine what he would, I mean, that's gotta be like such a sense of pride for Oliver. Yeah. Uh, to feel that. So like, I got, a, I got really touched by that moment. I thought that was a really nice moment that they added in.
1: Yeah. I, and like I said, I always kind of thought it's, it's been funny that, you know, like it was on arrow where we saw, when we first saw William, he was playing with a captain cold doll and a, a flash figure for the first time we saw him. And it's, I love the fact that they do little things like that in this universe. They're not afraid to kind of be a little meta here and there. Um, but yeah, it's I thought it was kind of a yeah, you're right. That was a very sweet and touching moment though.
0: Yeah. Uh going back to when they bring in uh Vixen into uh the Arrow Cave. I like when or actually even before that. I I can't remember if it was before that or during that, but there's a moment where Oliver says that they had a very animated adventure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> which
0: which was a great nod to the animated series that they did yeah. with
1: her. Yeah. Oh, that's, an I think that's all streaming online. I think if you go to CW Seed, you can watch the Vixen animated series.
0: So, and I thought it was great that they used the actual actress that voiced her to play the part. Yeah. To, uh, in the show, which it was great. Uh, Megalyn, uh, EK, yeah, I think is, uh, her truncated last name because I don't know if anybody can pr- properly pronounce her.
1: her <laughs> I'm not going to try. I, I feel, I would feel bad. I would butcher but so, it. Yeah. Um, One of the other really great touches this week, though, too, is when they were trying to figure out who was going to give them a hand. I love they're like, well, what about Constantine? He's like, he's in hell. No, I mean, (laughs) for real, he's actually in hell.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a nice little nod, too, as well. Uh, You had mentioned, too, you know, obviously the totem that Damian Dark was using uh, is broken. So is he completely powerless or is it just that power?
1: I'm hoping it's just that power. I'd like to see him really kind of still pose a big threat to uh, Team Arrow.
0: Um. I can see that I also and this is going on to the going back to the scene with the coffin as we're we're doubling coffin watch now Mm -hmm. uh, until we know who is actually in the coffin, Uh, which actually I thought they were almost ready to reveal that at the end of this episode the same way that flash revealed who zoom was I thought there was going to be a big reveal at the end of this going into the break at which there was just not the reveal we were expecting. Um, I have two things now. Uh, one of them is something that we had previously mentioned on another episode and then something that's changed as far as the coffin. I do now believe that the person in the coffin is not Felicity's mother.
1: Yeah, it seems like they're starting to steer a little bit away from that idea. Um, and
0: my main reason behind that is is because of the big reveal at the end of the episode, which we'll talk about in a second. But the other thing is we had mentioned this a couple issues ago when Felicity says to Oliver he needs to die. I had mentioned, what if this person he, she's discussing is not Damian Dark, but Malcolm Merlin?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we did see that line get drawn between Thea and him this week as well. Um, so it's there is a big possibility. Granted, I really don't want to see John Berryman go away from the show. I do really enjoy him just in general as an actor um, and, uh, you know, even out, you know, off screen as well. Um, but he brings something fun to the show, uh, and I think he always has.
0: Yeah, and it's it's funny to me that somebody who is so pleasant in real life plays the darkest villains, and I love that because he he has some evil moments in this show. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm I'm really hoping they don't write him off, or they find a way to kind of like push him to the side because I I love John Behrman's dynamic on this show. I love Malcolm Merlin, but I think there's a chance we could be talking about Malcolm Merlin. When she says, you know, that this person needs to die.
1: Yeah, it's very possible.
0: Um, but going into the big reveal at the end, we see, uh, Felicity and Oliver, uh, having a moment where Felicity decides that because of the lie of not knowing about Oliver's son, William, she can no longer be with him. And she gives him back the ring. I have moments about this that I liked and moments about this that I absolutely hated. Uh, The moment about this that I hated is the fact that all of a sudden she can walk. Yeah. It's not a slow transition. It's a a flip of a switch.
1: It's a flip of a switch. It's like solely just so she can physically walk away from him. And I'm like, that was, and as George mentioned earlier, like, you know, there's some rough cheese moments in this one. And that was very clearly one of them. Yeah. That was a little rough and a, a hard pill to swallow, I think.
0: Yeah. And it's it's one of those things that I understand why they did it. Uh, You know, it's so as you had mentioned, she could it's a big move that when you are able to walk again, the first move you make is walking out. (laughs) You know, that's a that's a big statement to make. And I understand why they did that. It's like a big mic drop moment. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what it is. So but that is what leads me to believe more now that the person in the coffin, as we had speculated, is not Felicity's mother. Because if that were the case, now, unless something goes wrong with this chip that Mr. Terrific installed in her back or gave her to be installed in her back, um, unless something goes wrong with this chip and she's not able to walk again, why would she if she is now able to walk? Why would she not be out at the coffin with her mom? at the grave yeah why would she be in the limo with oliver standing out there and not the other way around
1: yeah yeah it's a big question very very big question
0: i almost wonder if it's william in the grave yeah we we did
1: talk about that a couple weeks ago too where there that could be a possibility um yeah i I, there's so many theories at this point (laughs) yeah george do you have like an idea is like you said you you mentioned william is there somebody on this cast that you would like to see actually be the, the victim in that point or like not where you just want to see somebody gone but do you think that's going to be the most poignant for the show I was going to
0: say wow you're asking him if he wants to see somebody die that's great <laughs> not that
1: way not that way but if you think it's going to be poignant for the show you think that will kind of help continue creating more interesting stories
2: um, I, I don't know <laughs> I think, Yeah,
0: almost any character could, could be poignant
1: yeah that's true that's very true
0: Well, we know for a fact it's not Oliver or Felicity. So um, actually, even for a while, we thought it could have possibly been Felicity. Um, And then she got shot and we realized it was too obvious. And then a couple weeks later, we saw her in the limousine afterwards. So we knew for sure it wasn't Felicity. So, yeah, it could be anybody at this point. Um, I I think if if with some brilliant writing, it could even be Merlin in the coffin and Them saying it's this person's got to die, you know, because he could have some huge redeeming moment between now and then. And they realize he has to be avenged. So I'm very curious to see. I don't know if I believe that it's William, though, because I think they did a good job of almost writing off him and Samantha so that they don't really have to. They they pretty much put an end to that storyline with Oliver's video that he leaves to William. Mm-hmm. revealing who he is and why he can't be a part of his life and you know to you know this is for you to watch when you're 18 so i think they did a good job with completing that story uh but uh, yeah i'm gonna be very interested to see where they're gonna go yeah and i think
1: well. the only real last big point that we have for this episode is we got kind of an idea where the flashback stuff's going uh, kind of is uh a loose term, I think, in this one. <laughs> we've we've been building up to something, but at least we know that is at least finally happening. Sounds like, you know, there's that supernatural place. We saw the one guard uh, that Ali uh, was responsible for the death of a couple weeks back kind of come back as a spirit. Kind of them doing the whole idea that you're ready to kind of go into the next step. Got more of the little tattoo, uh, would you would you glow? And <laughs> that was about it. And then it kind of, like you said, you know, it's still unfortunately, though, has not been very... Interesting. I would have loved to have gotten a lot more time to fix it on screen this week than the focus there.
0: Yeah. And and I also think that I'm still tired of the uh, I'm tired of the flashbacks. Um, I think one every once in a while is good. I don't think we need them every episode. I mean, I understand that they're trying to tell a story, but I, I don't know. I'm still not sold on them, especially now with the mystical aspect of it. And they're going into this cave and such. Granted, this flashback revealed a lot more and kept me more interested, but I don't know if we we necessarily are, are sold on them. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously uh, Arrow returns on March 23rd with the episode Broken Hearts, in which we are going to see the return of Cupid. Yeah. Coming back as well. So uh but with that being said we'll wrap up with arrow and we'll move on to the final show of the week uh dc's legends of tomorrow episode six star city 2046 my favorite episode of the entire run of this show so far uh deemed legend by all four of us or all three of us, all four of us there's a fourth person <laughs> uh all three of us gave this a legend and definitely deserving of this as well uh the gang returns to uh Going for a malfunctioning a malfunction sends the wave rider to 2046 Star City, where the team faces a future in which they fail to stop Savage and return home. A lot of nods in this episode, i I feel. Um obviously we're we're meeting Connor Hawk for the first time, who is not Oliver's son, but is Diggle's son.
1: Mm-hmm. John Diggle Jr.
0: John Diggle Jr., yep. Um we we're getting to see uh a future version of Deathstroke, who also happens to be the son of Slade Wilson. Yep, Grant Wilson. Grant Wilson. And um, it has a very Escape from New Yorkish vibe. Yes,
1: it really did, and I loved that. Oh, my God,
0: it made me so happy. To this episode. Um, so, and obviously, we get to see Oliver, future Oliver, with the full Van Dyke and no arm. So, it's going to be very... Uh, I I loved this episode for many many reasons, but I think I, on top of the escape from New York vibe, I also think it's a nice nod to and granted this is going into the the Earth uh the new 52 version of of DC. I think it's a nice nod to Earth 3, which is the crime syndicate. Yeah. Uh which this could have very well been a version of that that we could have seen. Uh or what that or what Earth 3 could have looked like if they had gone to earth three at any point. And by the end of the episode, I think we're almost getting an arrow beyond kind of feel.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things like, you know, we all said one of our favorite things too. And George brought it up as well is, is this time travel stories, especially when we get to see the future is always very unique. And it's sometimes not just going, you know, hundreds of years forward, but the idea of just jumping 30 years ahead kind of idea, um, and seeing how much has happened. And especially knowing that most of the cast of Arrow um, in this timeline are either gone or dead. I mean, we didn't get a lot of distinctive things. We know Diggle was killed, Um, you know, and they kind of left it to the idea that everybody else is either just left Star City or have potentially been killed. I think where they mentioned that Detective Lance was killed in the uprising. But it was uh, yeah, it was there was a lot happening here. There was an absolute ton happening here.
0: Yeah. Uh, George, what were some of your favorite moments? from this episode. Oh, I, I love the, uh, sort of
2: disagreement between snart and Mick, you know, Mick wants to stay behind cause he's, this is his world. He gets to be the head of a gang. And then, uh, snart wants, I, I think he has bigger plans for himself.
0: Yeah. I think this is almost like a, um, a coming of heart for snart. And I didn't mean to rhyme, obviously, but, like, this is the first time I think that he's really acknowledging that, hey, these people that we're here with, these are our friends. You know, we, we're not exactly going to leave them behind. We're we're going to help. And obviously, you know, to, um you know, to heat wave, it's this is like Disneyland to him. Yeah, you know, because he is the big baddie here. He is the runner of, you know, he's the ruler of the gang simply just by taking out the guy. So um, it was a nice nod to see in the very beginning of the episode, jump back to the beginning, uh, smoke technologies on the building. So we know, obviously, with Ray gone, Felicity stays in charge of Palmer. So we're um, which is my only complaint about this episode is because by the end of it, I, I would have thought maybe we would have seen more technology 30 years in the future than what they had already had and just covered up.
1: Yeah. But they, so. it kind of left it at a point where that uprising seems like it didn't happen that long after everything went down. You know. So that was kind of interesting that it could have only been 10 years because they brought up the whole idea of that. One of the things that would have turned the tide of would have been having White Canary and Adam present for that fight. So I do love the fact that they're playing with the idea that ultimately their characters have to make it back to that timeline because this future is a very big potential.
0: OK, so, yeah, so, they, yeah, they have they have to make it back in order for this stuff to not happen. Mm-hmm. So and this is pretty much just playing out the way it is because they're not there. Right. So which almost it goes back to the beginning of the episode where, you know, where Rip says that they're not important to the timeline. And this is kind of disproving that. Right. You know, where right. their presence in the timeline alone is what could have prevented some of this. So what Rip is telling them, obviously, he only told them to get them on the ship, which was revealed already anyway. Yeah. So, um, I did like the fact that while Connor Hawk was John Diggle Jr. and not Oliver Jr., I did like the. Uh, with Deathstroke being Grant Wilson instead of Slade Wilson, I do like the fact that it, the dynamic of son versus son between yeah, the two guys. Yeah,
1: that was kind of interesting. I love that it was the idea of the legacy of the feud went down to the next line. Yeah. <laughs> like the next, you know, and one of the things that made me smile, though, too, is. The fact that they, you know, we talked about last week in the news that apparently, you know, the Slade Wilson characters kind of been pulled off the table. This was a nice way for them to be able to continue that, um, you know, Grant Wilson in the comic uh, comic lore, like I said, was the very first Ravager, which later we saw kind of a, 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 an alternate take on one of the Ravagers we've had back in season two. When Summer Glau, um, you know, donned the the the, the uh, Bruce Wilson kind of costume. So, but yeah, it was nice to see that, you know, the continued lineage of, you know, Slade's Slade's work kind of continuing to pass forward. And we know that the Mirakuru soldiers are not gone. You know, they're, there's still a future for them. And that also opens up some things for Arrow in that, in that sense, too. We know that we're eventually going to see Lila and Diggle probably have another son sometime soon in the series, probably before it wraps up. Um, this is a nice nod to those things. Are we going to see hopefully Slade come back at some point in time you know
0: ah uh, yeah cuz i would love to see i would love to see slade come back just simply because of the fact that i love mano bennett mm-hmm. so i'd like to see him don that role again at some point i do think um it's very interesting to point out too that this is a savage less savage less net i can't even say it no savage in
2: the,
0: <laughs> in this episode um we do know that this is a world where they never stop savage but savage is, actually isn't in this episode
2: right
1: so, yeah, so, and that's a big part, too, because we did see, you know, the very future Star City where everything's war-torn, that it was all because of Savage, and here we know it's has nothing to do with them.
0: So, yeah, so, I mean, it's very interesting that, I mean, it's another thing I like about this show, sort of similar to what I had said about Arrow, where Arrow can make the cast shine even without Stephen Amell, uh, or without making Stephen Amell the the primary person. Um, this is another thing that, yes, we know that Slade is the big bad, but this this – this show can go on on its own without having to have Savage as the big bad. They can do other things without him. Right. So
1: um, Now, what did you guys think of older Oliver Queen?
2: He was pretty cool. I mean, to, to see the, the goatee and, uh, you know, he's like a broken man. And uh, I, I liked his sort of redemption when he puts on the bionic arm and <laughs> he goes kick butt.
1: Yeah. And it was nice, too. It was it was it was cool to see because when we saw it laying out in the warehouse, it was very much it was one of Adam's designs, kind of because it looked identical to the Adam arm in the the power suit. So Mm -hmm. I love you even had the little old Palmer Tech logo that's on, you know, on his was uh, that was pretty cool to see that continue to carry on. So it was nice to see them find a way to tie that together, which, again, another nice uh, nod to the follow up to the Dark Knight Returns um, with Oliver actually donning the robotic arm in that universe.
0: Yeah, I think another thing, too, is uh, worth pointing out is the writers originally when they did the show and Rob, I was telling you a little bit about this earlier on. Um, they weren't sold on Stephen Amell playing future Oliver. They were actually going to get because it's 30 years in the future. So they weren't sure if they can make him look old enough. They, so they were actually going to get a different actor to play the part of future Oliver. And it was actually going to be Stephen Lang from Avatar was the original person they were going to get to play future Oliver who could have pulled it off. But I think it's appropriate that you had Stephen Amell don the beard and, and the makeup to make him look 30 years older. And I think it worked out. I think it worked out great. I loved seeing the future version of him and it, it, it's worth noting, are we going to see future versions of maybe some Flash characters down the road?
1: Well, one of the big things that this episode kind of opened me up to was, uh, you know, back on season one of Flash, we have that newspaper of that Flash, you know, missing in crisis, uh, you know, 2026. And uh my big hope is that somewhere along the lines, we're going to see another future episode of that crisis actually happening. And that's where the disappearance of the Flash happens. And we'll see that in Legends of Tomorrow. So I'm really hoping That is. this was a nod to where that's going to go.
0: I wasn't even thinking about that. (laughs) I I didn't have anything in particular in mind, but other than the fact of uh, maybe uh, Barry's twins. Oh, yeah, the Tornado Twins. That would be cool to see. The Tornado Twins showing up at some point if they happen to go to the future. I mean, but it's worth noting, too, that they only went to the future because they got marooned there. They didn't intentionally go to the future. They're primarily focusing on the past. Right. So, um, you know, because how do you stop the future from happening by going to the future. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if we're going to see any more future episodes in this series before the end of its run. I would well, hope we do.
1: Well, the next episode, I know we're still kind of future centric. Uh, there's they're they're going up against time pirates. So that sounds kind of interesting. Cause, so we're going to get it like a space pirate, time pirate kind of kind of tale next week. Um, but I would hope that we're, we're going to end back into the future at some point.
0: Yeah, I would like to see that, too, because, you know, as George mentioned, I I love I love time travel stuff, too. You know, I make no bones about it. I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. So it's, you know, so, yeah, I I like seeing these things as well. Uh, And anything else? Well, I I guess we could touch, too, on the Jax and Ray dynamic, Uh, both of them going after Kendra. Right. Which I don't know if I was as big a fan of as you were, Rob.
1: Uh, you know, I just liked it because it was lifting in and added some levity to all the major things that were happening. It was a kind of nice breakaway. Um, granted, they could have done the same thing with just focusing on, um, you know, Snart and uh, and um, Rory at that point where they, they got to just focus on that dynamic a little bit. But I did like the fact that because it did show us that Stein and Jax have more than just uh, – they have more – their mental link is a little bit more – interesting than we expected like i love the fact that they both feel each other's emotions a little bit and i did like the idea that stein inadvertently caused ray to have feelings for kendra but i you know i'm hoping that this love triangle thing doesn't get pushed forward too long and then kind of get even more convoluted if we see carter hall come back um so that does scare me a little bit i'm really hoping that they don't focus too, too much on that, but it was kind of fun to see, but I did love the little moment between uh, Ray and Jax at the end, where he's like, you know, did you hear that? And he's like, oh yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> it was that idea. He's like, oh dude, Jax, you're not subtle at all, and by the way, she would have picked me. But I love that stupid, boyish attitude with Ray all the time, and uh, they played it up nice, but yeah, it, it was it was fun to watch, but I, I hope it doesn't convolute the show too much.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I really loved uh, Professor Stein's sort of meddling with the, the issue, but he also gave really great advice, uh, and I wish I had gotten this when I was a lot younger. That that just to be confident, you know. I think if I had gotten that from a superhero show, it, it, it would have taught me some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and, and
1: especially don't you know, just such a basic thing of like, hey, just dating, you know, just 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 go in, you know, don't worry about it. Anything happens, you know. But yeah, it was it was it was a fun moment still. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I agree with that as well. Uh, anything else that were uh, that were kind of possibly well, meant missing?
1: I think, honestly, the only really last big moment of all this was, you know, again, we're going to about to definitely see a fallout between Snart and Rory. Uh, but I love the fact that they didn't forget about uh, Ray and, and Mick having a friendship. You saw that at the very end um, where he was just kind of like, it's going to be OK. You know, one of those things.
0: So Yeah, I and mean, it, it's fun because, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't do a just – Mick and Leonard sticking together the whole time I'm liking seeing them branch out and building dynamics uh, with other characters as you had mentioned last week we saw a great one with Mick and Ray Uh, we saw Leonard and and Sarah have a great dynamic together I almost think there could even possibly be a little bit of a romance between Sarah and Leonard at some point
1: I could see that potentially
0: happening too. yeah. So, but I mean, out of all these characters, uh, we've made no bones about it. At least I know I I have And Out of this great ensemble cast, uh, Leonard Snart is my favorite character. Yeah, by far on this one. But I am happy
1: that they're finally taking uh, Mick out of the uh, out of the shadows a little bit more. We're gonna, we're starting to see him develop, and that's I'm really looking forward to seeing what his character is going to be like when we finish up the season from where he was from Flash to the end of Legends. I think it's going to be the most interesting thing because, like, start we've seen a little bit more of, and we've got a better feeling for him and the way he functions. But we've had a, a lot of character growth between Flash alone for him, um, so it's really nice that they're, we're going to get a lot more focus on Heat Wave.
0: Yeah, George, do you have a favorite out of this cast? I mean, because it's very dynamic cast. So I mean, yeah. there's a lot of different character, lot of different character traits between all of them.
2: Um, let's see. I, I think. Well, I mean, who, who doesn't love Professor Stein? But uh, I think uh, I actually kind of like Adam, you know, Ray, Ray Palmer. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of a fun character, and he and can fly. He's got the Iron Man-like suit, and I love the, <laughs> you guys said, the sort of miniature uh, action figure <laughs> Yeah. <suit.
0: laughs> Yeah, I like. Yeah. Uh, cool. So that's going to wrap it up then for the secret origins portion of this. Uh, yeah. We're going to move on before we start to wrap things up. Obviously, we're going to go into DC essentials where we're going to bring up some some news for the the world of DC and the television such and maybe even make some recommendations for some other stuff to right. check out. Uh, Rob, I know you had um. A good amount of music. Yeah,
1: there's quite a bit. Actually, before we even hit that, though, um, actually, actually, for George, out of all these four shows, with you being a composer, is there music that stands out specifically to any of these shows that, like, that just you kind of fall in love with?
2: Oh, I love the theme from Flash.
1: Oh, god, yeah. that's that's every way they play that song is amazing.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah I had mentioned and... last week too. One of my DC essentials is I've actually been listening to the soundtracks of Flash, Flash versus Arrow, and now Arrow as well who i know uh Blake Neely does the compo- the composing for the flash and it's such a great um again that theme is just so it's so great i love it
1: Well, like I said, as far as news, though, this week, we had quite a bit of stuff. Um, Like I said, we did mention a couple weeks ago, uh, we do know we have the Flash-Supergirl crossover happening on March 28th. Uh, We did finally find out, though, like I said, we did know Silver Banshee's going to be involved in the episode. But we now also know she's teaming up with Livewire, who's going to be returning on Supergirl. So we do know this is uh, a two-on-two fight. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see. Um, One of the other kind of big things that's been happening is actually definitely in the Batman versus Superman Justice League kind of front. Zack Snyder uh, and Jason Momoa uh, put a picture up on Twitter, uh, just I think actually right after we recorded last week, within an hour, and uh, we did get a quick little kind of corner shot of the Flash suit for Justice League. So it was kind of hard to make out. It's in the background corner of the workshop, um, but we did kind of see that it's just definitely got that more brighter red tones that we see on the show. It's kind of got a little bit of an armored look to it. Um, so I'm kind of really curious when we're going to see a little bit more of that. Um, and then, uh, on top of that, Batman and uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, we do know the home release is also going to be, there's going to be an ultimate edition. That's going to be a rated R cut of the film. Uh, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. If you think that's more of a response to Deadpool's success,
0: and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is more like, okay, Marvel saw success with an R rated movie. Let's not that's not test the waters as big as they did and do it in the theaters. Let's, let's release this rated R when it comes out to, you know, to home video. I think that's more a response to, I, that's my personal opinion. I think this is a response to Deadpool.
1: I mean, it's not uncommon to, for films when they get released on home, where there's additional stuff that they cut down for a film. Like it's very common with a lot of PG 13 movies where you see, especially in comedies where here's the R rated cut, you know, where here's the extra gag or two where we had a little bit more language. We had to cut back that kind of pushed us over the the edge. Um, But I mean, what do you guys think though about the idea of, you know, Batman and Superman having an R rated film though, even if it's just for home video, do you think that is going to drive people away?
2: Yeah. I I think that it's not going to, it's not going to be anything like Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool's the, the humor is pretty dirty and that's, Uh, You know, it's very visually violent, but, um, you know, the Superman Batman, that's that's more like a fantasy superpower kind of violence. Right. You know, I I don't think it would be as gory. Um, And so I, I don't think even as they were making the movie that they had any intention of trying to be like Deadpool. Right.
1: I, mean, you know. I think so, too. Uh, I think one of the things we could be seeing, like we do know in this universe, um, you know, the Jason Todd Robin has been killed by the Joker. I know there's been some speculation that, you know, if they show any of that sequence of the infamous Joker beating him with, you know, the crowbar and all that stuff, which is a pretty intense scene. Um, but, it, you know, like I said, I, I, you know, it's not going to be about language. It, it's going to be definitely like that fantasy violence. But for something like that to get taken up to an R, it needs to be a little bit more extreme. <laughs> and uh, it kind of scares me to think um that we already know that fil- this film is already that gritty that there was stuff that was responsible for taking it up to an R rating.
0: Well, see, this is one of my initial issues with Man of Steel too was the amount of violence in a Superman movie. That was one of my biggest issues with Man of Steel is because uh, at least at least in Man of Steel it was because of the the general populace being around and the, popul- the the disregard for the general populace. In Batman v Superman, I can see it being a little more isolated so they can get away with that amount of violence right now because it's man versus man. It's not in a cityscape like like it was in Metropolis and Smallville and Man of Steel. So you can see them getting away with it. But it's not... See, it to me, if they're amping up this to an R rating because of violence and because of the fight scenes, to me, again, you're taking away from the character of Superman. yeah, And it's another issue I'm going to have with this movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, they did say a little bit more information about that. Um, just, I think two days ago where they said most of that violence is coming from Batman. And we did see, and I think the first real big full trailer after we saw the teaser, like him, even branding villains with the, the, the bat symbol in the paper. Um, so it seems he's kind of a little tortury almost. Um, and I'm wondering if that's going to take a little something away from Batman as well. So, I mean, I know, like, the Dark Knight version of the character, and they're definitely taking a lot of nods from Frank Miller. And in that book, you do see a very brutal Bruce Wayne. And, uh, you know, but it does scare me a little bit if that's going to drive some people away. Because you have seen such a negative outcry from families even talking about, you know, their kids, (coughs) excuse me, loving characters like Deadpool, uh, even though it's a very adult kind of character um, and if that's going to see some if there's going to be some backlash even on the pg-13 version of this is just a very violent batman superman movie
0: yeah i mean if this was a batman movie and not batman versus superman i would actually probably be excited about the fact that this is going to get an r rating i do too uh but the fact that superman is involved with this and it's you know batman versus superman again i i already see a lot of flaws with this movie i think it's suffering from what i call spider-man 3 syndrome where you're putting in too much too fast, and you're just trying to get to a point. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit. You're you're trying to get too quickly to Justice League by making. You're taking a story that should s- pretty much be just Batman versus Superman. If you're going to do the Batman versus Superman story, it should be Batman versus Superman. No Doomsday. No Wonder Woman. I, I no, no Aquaman, no Flash, but they're throwing in this plus Doomsday, plus all these cameo appearances to get to Justice League with no character development Yeah, of all these other characters. You know, they're pretty much just like, all right, well, here you go. You're going to meet them. And then now the next time you see them, they're all going to be together in Justice League. It's not enough time for character development. I mean, Marvel took 10 films to build up to the Avengers. Maybe not 10. I think it was more like six, but still they took these films. They built the characters up so that when these characters were together, the dynamic was already there. Yeah. DC's rushing this. And that's my biggest problem with this. Granted, I will be in theaters to watch this movie. uh, When I get offered a free screening of it through our press aspects, uh, but I will not pay money to go and see it. Um, Just because again, man of steel left such a bad taste in my mouth. I'm such a fan of Superman and it, This is ruining Superman for me.
2: But, you know, actually, I agree with you on that. But um, and and I think that's true for the average movie going audience. But for comic book fans, I am sick and tired of seeing the origin story. Yeah. Heroes over and over and over. I am actually excited to get to see Justice League a little bit sooner. Yeah, I I do.
1: I do agree with you on that, too. Like I said, especially with a lot of these characters that have been near and dear to our hearts since our childhood. We know who they are. Um, and the fact that, you know, they're going to give us that fast little truncated, um, you know, Batman origin in this, and you know, it's I like the fact that this is a Batman that's been around for a long time, like he's been functioning and I don't think we're going to see much of the origin stuff, which is great. It's going to be I think the idea is there's going to be a lot more questions as to what has happened thus far and that's the only thing i'm worried about that there's going to be some confusion when you leave like well what is this batman and i think that's the basic movie going audience they're not going to know it's like well is this tied to the nolan films or or not or anything like that because we've had the legacy of who's played batman changed so many times and uh you know this the nolan stuff you know was so wonderful but people are going to there's going to be definitely a part of an audience out there that's going to exist that's going to wonder where does this fit in the grand scheme of things
0: Yeah, I mean, and I agree with you, you know, to the point too. I'm tired of seeing the origin stories. But uh, where I don't think that applies to this, too, is we haven't seen any origin stories for Aquaman or Wonder Woman yet. Right. And they're skipping completely over that to throw them, especially Aquaman in particular. We might see a little bit of an origin from Wonder Woman in this film, Um, but they haven't been able to make a Wonder Woman franchise work since the 80s. So. And the movie generation now, they don't they've never watched that version of, of Wonder Woman. So or the animated one. Or the yeah. Well that's true. They did do the animated one too.
1: Uh, the animated film though, I gotta give them props that DC did a couple of years back was phenomenal. Uh, if you really want a great version of that story, it's just it's such a fun watch.
0: Yeah. So um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm still up in the air. Again, I'll probably end up watching it, but I don't know if I'm going to trust me. I want this movie to succeed. I want this movie to be great because, even though I'm a bigger Marvel fan than anything else, I want to see a great Justice League movie. It's I, I, I just don't know yet if it's going to happen.
2: Yeah, um, so, well, so I ahead. wanted to uh, to transition to one of my favorite animated series. It's Young Justice, which the, the two seasons of it that are out are on Netflix now, uh, and Netflix has announced that. And this was canceled, you know, five years ago. And Netflix has announced they will do a third season if the ratings are good on, on the Netflix. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, I know. I've been actually been, yeah. that's, that's been becoming my nightly show when I go to sleep. I'm like, I got to make sure I keep watching it and doing my part, man.
2: Exactly. So, so all you guys out there, go watch the show. If you, if you haven't seen it yet, it's, it's actually a great, um, sort of tie into Justice League and, and all those characters and, and seeing the, uh, the sidekicks or the uh, the mentees kind of getting to do their own thing.
1: Yeah. And it's, they do great, bi- like, growing up kind of, like, lesson stories, and they do it so well with these characters. Like, you get the melodrama, but it's, it all of it fits so nicely together. I mean, it, it's such a beautifully written show, and it was beautifully animated on top of that. Um I think it's one of those ones that, yeah, I, I can only hope that we'll see closure for that series because we, we have no idea what was going to happen at the end is uh, with the, where they left off season two,
0: and it's a, it's actually at the top of my Netflix queue because I do want to watch it. I've been wanting to watch it since I saw it pop up, so uh, I will definitely be watching it to uh, to help that out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, and now as far as the rest of the news for the week, there was only a couple other small little tidbits that were worth mentioning. Uh, DC Entertainment has released the DC All Access app, where they're going to be kind of pulling all their news together. Uh, It's available on Google, uh, the Google Play Store and iOS, um, where they're doing videos, trailers, and then just general news for comic books, TV, and films. So if you're trying to keep up uh, with the side from just listening to us for the shows or Going to places like IGN, you know, comic book, uh, comic book and so forth. So it's a nice little, uh, nice little app. I loaded up this the other day. It's nice little infrastructure. Uh, beyond that, though, too, uh, we do know for gamers out there, Rocket League is also getting the Batmobile on March eighth, um, which it looks like it's the Batman versus Superman Batmobile. And we also do know if you are a player of that game, when you do score, you will have a, an exploding bat signal that that flares up whenever you uh, score a goal, which I thought was a nice little touch
0: just Um, played just played rocket league for the first time over the weekend
1: yeah and it is a great game it is it is a ton of fun so it's kind of cool to see that they're bringing that and then Mm -hmm. the last piece of news for this week was uh regal entertainment uh theater franchise that's edward cinemas and all has announced the ultimate ticket for batman versus superman which is going to cost a hundred dollars um it is a little metal embossed card with the logo of the film you're going to get your name printed on it that will be a limited edition um I think there is only going to be, I think 5,000 of them, I believe sold, which are going to go on sale Monday. And uh, so tomorrow, and uh, that will allow you one viewing every day in any format, whether it's IMAX, the RPX cinemas, 3d standard, uh, standard edition, um, uh, through the entire run of the film.
0: So, so you can actually go see the movie every day,
1: every day, uh, in any format once per day. Um, any format of your choice for $100. And again, limited edition, I believe it's an exclusive that's going to be available uh, on comicbook.com, uh, which is a great news source for most of this stuff. And uh, so if you're interested, I think they go on sale first thing tomorrow morning. Um, so if you do want that and you do hear this podcast, definitely jump on over there. It's a, If you're really, really pumped for this movie and you think you're going to be seeing it a ton of times, just five showings in IMAX or four showings in IMAX, pay for it right off the bat. So...
0: So, in other words, something I probably would not be buying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the only other piece of news that I have as well, too, is we had mentioned last week that Vanessa Hudgens had signed on for uh, NBC's uh, DC comedy, Powerless. Uh, and this week they just added two new characters or two new actors, uh, being Danny Pudi from Community and Alan Tudyk from Firefly. Yeah. So I think the dynamic of those two together is actually going to be really cool.
1: Yeah, and uh we were saying we were worried about that show and just those names alone I have really got high hopes now.
0: Yeah, I do too. I really hope they uh they do it well. So cuz I'm not for I'm going into this with a completely open mind. I'm not familiar with the Powerless series. So
1: uh actually um, this is just something new that they're doing. So
0: Oh, okay. I thought this was something based off a of comic book.
1: Uh, The only thing it's close to we mentioned last week was uh, Marvel's got a series called Damage Control, which is the same premise for the most part. Um, And uh, but, yeah, this is the kind of DC take on it. But again, having Abed and and Wash (laughs) (laughs) bickering back and forth about, you know, destruction on, you know, in Metropolis and and dealing with insurance problems because of fallouts from battles, I think could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think so, too. I think
0: they could be it. Um, George, anything you can think of off the top of your head other than Young Justice that you think people should check out? Uh, like something that you're a fan of that you would you think people would like?
2: Um, I'm just going to stick with the Young Justice thing for now because I'm hoping we get a third season. I want people to watch it.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well, then you know what? On that On that note too, then I'm going to say Young Justice as well, even though I haven't seen it. Uh, we're going to help push it so that to get that third season. So I'm going to say Young Justice as well. I'm going to start watching it this week.
1: And I'm going to say it as well, too. So I think Young Justice all around.
0: Mm -hmm. Rich for me. So, um, yeah, I guess that just about wraps things up then for this issue of DC Primetime.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, like I said, this is obviously where we talk some shameless plugs. And uh, because we have George on, George, I know you've got some things in the burner right now that you're working on. I know you're doing a follow up, I believe, to the Star Wars, uh, Star Wars musical uh, Disney parody that you did.
2: That's right. I am running it right now and hopefully by the end of the year we'll have it out on YouTube. And uh, if anyone wants to check that out, it's at starwarsmusical.com.
1: Uh actually, real quick, can you give us a little history on how that kind of came to be cuz uh when we saw that that was just amazing. We we were we were in tears laughing and just and we loved it.
2: Uh yeah, so when uh Disney announced that they were purchasing Lucasfilm, uh of course I got excited and uh, wanted to do something to kind of poke fun at it, and uh, came up with the idea of turning Star the the first Star Wars: A New Hope into a Disney musical.
1: Nice. And you guys actually had looked like like the hand painted backgrounds and all to kind of really match the styles and. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it was gorgeous. And uh, now, like I said, I did see a teaser poster that was uh, what was it the the Emperor's uh, the Empire's New Groove. It was the That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the shot. It was uh the Luke Skywalker and the Tauntaun back to back. Just that nice mirror of uh, Emperor's New Groove, it was just, yeah. that was awesome. So uh, you said end of the year, you were saying most likely, though? Yeah. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, anything else going on for you?
2: Um, I mean, uh, there's always stuff going on, but uh, for since the, there are a lot of comic book fans out there, uh, check out my song that I co-wrote with Stan Lee. Uh, it's called Ode to Geeks. It's on his YouTube channel. But if you go to my website which is georgeshawmusic.com. And my last name is S-H-A-W. You can find links to that and the Star Wars musical and and all my other work. Fantastic.
1: And uh, you're on Twitter as well for people to be able to follow you.
2: Yeah. So Facebook and Twitter is also George
0: Shaw Music. Awesome. So, yeah, that's, again, such big fans of that Star Wars parody musicals too. So it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the next one's going to be when it comes out towards the end of the year. Yeah. uh, but George, thanks so much for joining us. Um, hopefully, you know, later on towards the end of the season, we can, we'll, we'll start plugging some more of your stuff as it comes out and even have you on again down the road. I would love, yeah, I'd love to be back.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. It was a pleasure, man.
0: Oh yeah. Before we get out of here, a couple cheap plugs of our own. Uh, again, you can find me on next, the next level podcast network, which you can find at Facebook, facebook.com slash next level radio online or on Twitter at NXT level radio. Yep,
1: and uh, you can always find me on CaffeineCrew.com, and you can always email me as well at TheCaffeineCrew at gmail.com, CaffeineCrew on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, If you have anything you also want to see us do during the break times, uh, shoot us a message. Uh, We're always up for some stuff. Uh,
0: All right, that's going to wrap things up then for this issue of DC Primetime. Even though Flash and Arrow are on break, we still will be back. Uh, next week with another episode to talk Supergirl at DC's Legends of Tomorrow and maybe even a few surprises along the way. So you're going to have to tune in over the next couple weeks uh, even though these shows are on break to see what we have in store for you. Uh, But that's going to wrap things up. Until next week, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Take care. Thanks. Bye.